You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're listening to the E2C Network. Podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. For you Auburn fans, welcome to No Huddle, your source for Auburn football news and discussion, part of the E2C Network. I'm AJ Richardson, and I'm also here with Jared Davis. We're going to be talking about Georgia, the Deep South's oldest rivalry. Thank goodness it's still happening. It's still kind of weird that we're playing them the second game of the season versus playing them in Amen Corner towards the end of the season. But hey, I'll take it. We get to play football in 2020. And that's more than a lot of people thought. Jared, what are you thinking about this game, and how are you feeling at this moment? Uh, feeling hot. It's, it was 80-something degrees and humid, <laughs> and it does not feel like Georgia week. <laughs> Although it's been known to be 80-something degrees and humid in November, too. Yeah. But um, it's also been cold. So, it's you know, this weekend is going to be nice, though, I think. So I think that 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 piece of it might feel normal. But yeah, it's very weird to already be playing Georgia. And it's, um, it's going to be a 6.30 game, so that'll be a cooler time of day maybe feel yeah, a little set. bit more like a auburn georgia matchup yeah it's gonna be seven thirty for us fast people time in atlanta <laughs> um but yeah it's uh it's gonna be night a night game and you know it's in athens and i don't you know if you're gonna play them i mean nobody would have i would have never wished for a pandemic i don't want that to be taken incorrectly but if you're gonna play them away now's the year to do it because yeah. They're going to have maybe 17,000 fans there, and it's just a different atmosphere. Yeah. I mean, what did you think of overall the games that you watched, even the Auburn game of last week with 17,000 fans? What did you think of the environment um, with only having you know 20% or less fans? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's real – I mean, it, it hurts. I mean, it hurts when you're the home team, I, and it's hard to tell on TV. I don't know what's being pumped in and what's real – couldn't tell a big difference in the Auburn-Kentucky game, so if that was just normal noise, then that was pretty good by the fans. It was also mostly students, so that helps. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, but watching games, it's I've gotten used to it. I don't know if they're pumping noise in or not. I don't I know think it, they're I'm, allowed to, unless, like, I, I noticed the BYU game, they were doing it, but they had no fans in their stands. So I think it's kind of like the NFL, where they if you have fans, you're not allowed to pump in sound. If they weren't pumping it in, it was pretty good. I mean, that you know, I couldn't tell a difference to be honest. But it's, I mean, let's be honest, the players thrive off that. Mm-hmm. You have to create your own, you know, your own mojo, right? And um, and maybe you know, maybe that's on the. I mean, I'm just thinking the DJ a lot of times gets the not only the the players but the fans pumped up. And I noticed the some uh, like fan videos that I saw on Twitter. The DJ was. He was out there playing some good stuff and uh, getting the the crowd engaged and the players. Um, so maybe that that plays a big role in getting players ready uh, because they may not have the hundred thousand fans you know, rumbling in the background. It's the the DJ. I don't know. Maybe that's the difference this year. Yeah, it's going to be weird. I mean, I you know, 
it's not going to be hard to get up for Auburn, Georgia for the players. And really, since they're all SEC games, it's not going to be hard for hardly any of them. Yeah. But if you can't get up for Auburn, Georgia with no fans and no noise, then, you know, you probably don't need to be playing. That's so, right. Um, I think that's going to not be a problem. But it's going to help Auburn. I mean, there's not going to be a problem getting calling your plays. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, it was, you know, you noticed it last week. Kentucky did a few hard counts on us which does not happen on the road because you can't your team can't usually hear on the road to do that. Mm-hmm. They were doing hard counts on the road. That's stuff you do at home. So yeah. that just that's a piece of the just a real live example of how no crowd is is going to equal out the road games a little more, I believe. Yeah, I think I I do think that the crowd does obviously play a role. I mean, even Gus said I think in his presser that uh especially in the fourth quarter the students and the fans at the stadium were very loud and it definitely paid, played a role in the defense playing well, the offense doing their thing. And uh, I mean, if you've been to any big game, you know, crowd noise and the fans getting behind the team helps the team in most scenarios. Oh yeah. Um, and I know that's going to be missing a little bit, but I think it will still be there um, as long as the found fans that are there are actually loud. Yeah, I think they will. With them, it's you know, with them all being SEC games, and listen, there's not a, there's not a team out there that's you don't need to be up for at this point. Right. I mean, we we made fun of Arkansas, but I mean, they gave Georgia all they wanted and then some for about two and a half quarters. So, Vandy too. Yeah, Vandy, and then we all know what Mississippi State did. So yeah, you need to be up for every game this year. There is no gimmies. I take it all back. I said Arkansas was a gimme. They're not. <laughs> Mississippi State, no Miss are absolutely not gimmies. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you got. You better bring your. You better be ready. Yeah, absolutely. Every, every week. I mean, that, that's that's definitely for sure. I mean, this is going to be a, such an odd year for. Uh, you would think, okay, you know, uh, you should beat Arkansas. You should beat Vandy, but they're giving you more fits than they probably would in a normal year, and that that'll make it really interesting to see how how uh, teams do, especially if they later in the season get like Auburn did in eleven o'clock game time against a bandy or something how are they going to react that kind of thing yeah um let's talk about georgia a little bit so we got a number seven auburn going to athens to play the number seven georgia and uh, number four or number four four i think you're right i think you're right yeah Yeah, you're right number four and uh there's still a lot of question even for a number four team on quarterback um they they started to one mathis uh, in the Arkansas game and uh, really couldn't do a whole bunch with offense. I mean, I didn't watch too much of it, but the little bits that I did see, it was rough. Um, very, very rough for Georgia to get anything going on offense. And uh, then they ended up bringing in the backup Stetson Bennett, who everybody's talking about, oh, he was a walk-on. Now he's a scholarship player, whatever. He's He was a walk-on. Let's put it that way. That's the kind of level of talent that they had to go down to. And that gave Georgia the spark. That's how they ended up winning this last week. Um, and then not to mention, I mean, they still have JT Daniel. Um, I think he's medically uh, still having some issues because of his ACL injury. And then you got the other quarterback that we haven't even really talked about because he opted out, Jamie Newman. He was supposed to be the for sure guy from Wake Forest. He's going to be great, whatever. But he opted out. And is essentially planning to go to the NFL and not play this year. So, um, I mean, they've got a they've got some struggles on quarterback. What do you think they 
they need to do at, at quarterback to get something going. Do they stick with Stetson? Do they go back to Mathis? What What do they do? So I, I watched a pretty good bit of the game, and, and the thing with the Mathis kid was he was trying to make too much happen by himself. Um, and it pains me to say this, but, I mean, Georgia has five-star athletes at every skill position, so he wasn't getting the ball to them. And uh, Stetson came in, and he was all he was doing was just distributing the ball um, to the playmakers. He he literally looked like Jake Fromm. Um, <laughs> I mean, and that's not a knock on Fromm or anything, but he essentially he he was the quarterback that Alabama had for every year until Tua came along. Yeah. And he essentially just got the ball in the playmakers' hands, and you know he's not you know I don't know what it's going to do down the road. It worked in that game. Um, and it was a spark they needed, so I think it was the right. I don't think they win that ball game if Mathis stays at quarterback. Um, I don't think so either. I mean, you're probably looking at a Georgia team that doesn't have an offensive touchdown. It was bad, and I'm not knocking Georgia. Listen, I mean, it's the first game, but it was bad. I mean, they literally, yeah, they went into half with five points. They may have had more penalty yards, and I'm not knocking. I'm just stating facts. I think they may have had more penalty yards than offense. Um, Who goes into half with five points? Like, just – sit on that it's it's crazy (laughs) and it really was i mean you got to give stetson credit i mean he came in he calmed everybody down and he was dishing the ball out and you know i think it's um uh, he's not somebody that uh, that kevin Steele can't game plan for he's not a game changer he was a he is the epitome of game manager absolutely but with georgia's talent that may be all you need i don't know we'll find out and that absolutely could be you you have a you know, somewhat steady run game. Then you pass the ball to the four and five star wide receivers. That may be your game plan and uh, rely on your defense. I mean, come on, it's Kirby smart. He's going to rely on his defense for a lot yeah. of things. I mean, that, I mean, Alabama that, won multiple championships doing that exact same formula Two a game along. And all of a sudden, you know, they're great on offense and, right? and, and they are. Um, mm-hmm. But for the longest time, they literally were rely on defense I mean, there were multiple times they would have lost football games, but they had a they they went like seven games in a row where their defense scored a touchdown. Yeah, um, something crazy. So they weren't blowing anybody out, but they were just you know doing the things you had to do as a as a team effort, um, and that's probably what it's going to take from Georgia this year. But they have the athletes to do it. Yeah, I mean, if there's any, uh, you know, probably there's three or four teams that probably can just rely on uh, the the acting people around them and not necessarily have a really, really good quarterback and still do pretty good um, and keep up with most teams. And Georgia's, I I think, one of them. Yeah, Uh, I agree. And uh, another thing, I mean, this kind of goes along with quarterback play is Georgia's offensive line has a lot of issues. I mean, they had a lot of issues against Arkansas's D-line. And Arkansas's D-line is not very good. You got to think that Auburn can possibly capitalize off that in this Georgia game is I think Auburn's defensive line showed, especially after the second half of the Kentucky game, they can play, they can play with the best offensive lines and Kentucky's offensive line was very good. So I would, that's going to be a key for me to watch is the Georgia offensive line versus the Auburn defensive line. Where, how does that battle um, hash itself out? Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think that um, you know if you go a lot, their their offensive line struggled. I was kind of frustrated with how Auburn was not really able to just manhandle and run the ball, and then I watched Georgia struggle, and um, I felt a little better. <clears throat> um, I think that if you literally went position by position, 
were probably fairly even, honestly, except they, they, they probably with experience on defensive line and maybe defense overall, but defensive line. And I would say that right now we have a pretty sizable advantage at quarterback right now. Um, I mean, Stetson Bennett may win the Heisman. I mean, uh, <laughs> Baker Mayfield was a walk-on. So, uh-huh. I mean, you never know. But right now, I would say, all right, we got the sizable advantage. So, what's going to win out? You know, uh, we're pretty even, and we have the advantage at quarterback. Um, I, to me, I'm not a huge fan of Pickens because I, I think he's shown some temper issues. But, you know, Pickens and Seth Williams are about the same guy. Mm-hmm. So, they both can go catch anything. That's right. Seth has, Seth has more proven and that in the college level, but we've seen Pickens. He can do the same thing. So very similar teams. And it's really going to boil down to, you know, my deal, man, that monkey on our back. I, hmm. Yeah. I just, that, that's a big one. That's my only fear. If we're just talking, if you took the name off of Georgia, show me all these stats, I would say Auburn probably wins that game. Right. I mean, I, I was at the 2016 game where we should have beaten Georgia in Athens and mm-hmm. Just that monkey, that monkey kept mm-hmm. sitting on our backs and nagging at us, and we ended up losing that one, even though all signs, Georgia was down, and Auburn was not great, but also not terrible at the time, so we could move the ball down the field, and yet we just couldn't beat them. And, and that's the thing that I, I think I'm, until we do it consistently, I mm-hmm. think it's going to be just, I don't know. Um, I just don't know about it. Um, the other thing that I, I think is going to be a little interesting about Georgia is the first game, they had a lot of issues with penalties. They're, like, put it this way. In their first quarter, so the first you know, 15 minutes of the game, they had eight penalties. That is one every other minute for 73 yards. That is negative 73 yards. Yeah, that that's, mm. that is inexcusable for any team. But I'm amazed Kirby Smart allowed that. I mean, for a team that I I think is usually pretty disciplined, like a Georgia team, that's inexcusable. Um, And then even by the end of it, they had over 108 yards of penalties. What? Like, that? you you just can't do that. And I know that's a lot on coaching. They can probably easily clean it up. But that's going to be something you got to watch. If we can, and you got to think with a, a game like the, uh, Deep South's oldest rivalry. There's going to be some chippiness, and if Auburn yeah. can keep its head level more than Georgia, Georgia can get more penalties, personal fouls, you know, whatever. That could be a good flip of some momentum if we can just get a Georgia player to go off on us, and I, I'd love it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I and look, Seth has a. There's a few times Seth's showing a little bit of a uh, chip on his shoulder too, but he's not yeah. going to the extreme of punching anybody in the face. So, he'll, he'll do the muscle uh, thing. Yeah, he'll do that. I mean, Pickens had that fallout with Georgia Tech. But um, you're right. I mean, it's going to be chippy. Um, You know, man, I just don't know. I mean, I don't want to pick Auburn in this. Um, And I really think that no names, if if we just were like, oh, this is the first time these teams are ever playing. We don't even have names on the teams. But Mm -hmm. here's the athletes rolling out. I think we probably win the game. Um, but there is something about that. And even like I talked about it before, even if the players don't feel it, Gus Malzahn feels it. Yep. And if it's tight, if it's a close ball game, you know, what does he make the right call? Yeah. I mean, I think you, you got a good point. It's may not necessarily be the players, but I'd be a little worried that uh, we, we, as uh, the coaches for Auburn make the right calls when they need to. And that's where I'm hoping that the non 
bias more or less of Chad Morris kind of kicks in and says on offense, at least I don't care who this team is. We're about to beat them. Yeah. Like yeah. this is what we're doing, Gus. We're not going into a shell. We're not doing whatever that Gus used to do that would just frustrate us. Um, and that's what I'm hoping. I mean, I, I think that maybe another thing to watch is how Chad Morris does when those games are tight and the games on the line, how, do, how does, how does, how does that relationship of Gus and Chad kind of develop? Well, we didn't talk about this last, you know, the last podcast, but um, I think last year, correct me if I'm wrong. I think that Bo Nix had one or two, maybe two all year touchdown passes on third down. And he had two in that game. So, right? yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty telling on the play calling that was being called. Cause I think probably got inside the red zone third down we got a little conservative we tried to be too perfect with the play and i think chad was just like throw it up man we got playmakers <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> and we did and it was touchdown yeah so i think you're right i think chad's probably going to bring a little more of that you know you, you got to take risk i mean that's in life if mm-hmm. you want to have if you want to score touchdowns you're going to have to sometimes throw it up on third down yep give your guy the 50 50 ball and know that your guy's going to come down with it if not he's going to and not allow the defender to get to it. Yeah, and, and and here's the thing too the the one where everybody's saying he got mossed. I mean that there was nothing the DB could do. He's not even looking, so it doesn't really <laughs> matter where he put it on that one. But the other one where Seth had to go way up. Listen, Seth's a freak athlete, okay? Yeah. But you got to think about where Bo put that ball too. There was nobody getting that. That was either yeah. going to hit the stands or. Seth catches it. And yeah. so that was a great pass that Bo probably doesn't make last year. Yeah. Well, even the, I think it was the safety. He was eyeing where that was going the whole yeah, time. He even saw the it, safety, he couldn't do anything about it. it. Even the safety tried to jump and get it, but he couldn't it, do anything it, about it. It was in a spot, that, and it was – Bo was not – feet were not planted correct. That was all arm, which is kind of scary and how good he could be. But you're like, ah, <laughs> let's try to plant the feet next time. But, right. um he, he's got some God-given talent that uh, if if uh, Chad can keep working on that, man, we we can beat – georgia at georgia and we haven't done that in a long time yeah uh, and not to mention i mean gus has said it before but bo Nix is going to win a championship and and i don't i'm not saying it's going to be this year it could be next year but the talent is there and i think that's what gus was getting at and i think we're, we're seeing it people may call him to be an average quarterback but uh, you, you got to sit down and watch this guy. He's not just an average quarterback. He's going to no. be a top level no, a, for sure. I mean, listen, he's not going to be the best quarterback to ever play college football, but he is he is anything but average. Right. Um, let's go into a couple of our players to watch. Uh, so these will be players on Auburn's team, offense, defense, and special teams that we'll be watching. Let's go into a, just a little bit about those. Um, on offense, I'm going to be watching Eli Stove. Um, I'm just thinking he's going to be a guy that may not get as much attention as Seth. I mean, obviously as Seth Williams. And I think he may be a key player in this Georgia game to get those, those receptions. Uh, Jared, who, who do you think on offense that you're going to be watching for this game? If you, we didn't, uh, agree to rules on this before, so I'm going to, I'm going to kind of go on, uh, off the cuff. I'm going to go with our, our three headed, uh, running back position. Um, <laughs> And just seeing how that that works, and I don't, it may not become three. Maybe it drops down to to one, but or two. I I, I want to see more from that. So um, you're, you're, I guess you're referring to like probably Shivers, Tank, and DJ. And DJ, probably, yeah. Those yeah, and, 
Yeah, and you know, there's people that are calling for DJ to not get the ball. I, I didn't really see much different from anybody. I, Shivers had a really good run where he he made it happen himself, kept his balance, and mm-hmm. other than that, I felt like they were all kind of looking the same. So yeah. I, I just I need to see a little more from that group, and um, I don't disagree that Eli is going to play a huge part. I think we win this ball game based off of how those three contribute. Uh, um, I think that that's a good point. I, I think if, they if you watch to... the running backs and how they do, if we get movement and those guys break a couple and get consistent yards even, I I think we got a really good chance of, it, at being Georgia. Yeah, if they get us to the 150 mark, um, I, I really I feel good. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Auburn family, we're going to take a quick breather from this episode to bring you an important message. One of the most well-known things about Auburn fans is how loyal they are, and we show that loyalty by the colors that we wear. Let us help you stock up on those colors by going over to our tpublic.com store. There you'll find a variety of merchandise geared towards designs based on E2C Network and Auburn content. While TeePublic is known for their t-shirts, they have a wide selection of merchandise options for you to select one of these designs to be put on. They also have other types of apparel, stickers, mugs, and much more. Here's the beauty of it. Your purchase will help support this network and the content that we regularly produce. The purchase will also go to support independent artists who put a lot of hard work into designing these concepts, especially for you, the Auburn family. And did I mention that they regularly have sales? T-shirts for $13? You have to be kidding me. If you're ready to explore your purchase options, head on over to tpublic.com slash store slash E2C Network. You can also get there by going to our website at e2cnetwork.com slash support. Now that you've got some options to suit up for game day, let's head back into this episode. Uh, Let's go to defense. Um, So I'm going to be watching Jalen Simpson. So uh, not just because he's on my watch list for this year, but I really think this guy is going to get some of the the higher, kind of more talented wide receivers at times and kind of be matched up against them. I want to see how he does against that um, and, and see if he can hold his own, see if he can be there and be with the guy, bat the ball away when he needs to, make the tackles when he needs to, and, and just play within himself um, as a young guy. Uh, Jared, who are you going to be watching on defense? Uh, I'm probably going to be watching whoever they got on Pickens, and I don't. You may know who that's going to be. I don't really know the uh, setup on that. I would um, probably guess McCreary, but I, yeah, McCreary. I'm just thinking uh, probably uh, at least seniority wise, uh, they'd probably put I, I think up it's Roger McCreary. Be McCreary. Yeah, so I'll be keeping an eye on him because the reality is George is about as dependent on uh, Pickens as we are on Seth, uh, maybe even more so. So I, I want to be, especially with a quarterback that you know doesn't have a lot of experience under his belt so i would say um that could be the key you shut down pickens and you might shut down their offense mm-hmm. um, they so could that, say the I mean, same thing about seth williams too they, they could they absolutely could and and they would be possibly right so i think that uh which team does it is yeah. the key. yeah absolutely um on special teams uh who are you going to be watching I, I think i'm going to be watching tank bigsby uh i i think just the way I saw him on a kick return and how he bounced off a guy and how <laughs> quick he is, I I think I'm going to be watching him that much closer to see what he does and uh, it, it's just see if he can maybe break one. 
Yeah, I mean, Tank is the, definitely the exciting option. I'm not going to disagree on that piece. I, I think in a game like this, it's going to be, you know, 21-14 or something, and I think field position is going to be so key. I'm going to go with whoever we put in at punter. Hmm. Um, I think that, you know, that piece of it could, um, you know, we saw what we were able to do with a short field. So it, the more short fields, the better. So if we can pin them deep, force a three and out, get good field position, rinse and repeat, I like our chances. So the punter in these type games are always pretty key in my opinion. Yeah, no, you're probably – I think the punter will be the more consistent pick just because of what you said, the the field position. I think I was just thinking about Tank Vigsby and I love flashing Oh, you're plays. just dreaming. Yeah, you're dreaming. I, I, I don't – I get it. I get it. Tank may take one to the house and then you can text me during the game and say, I was right. <laughs> and I hope you are. I hope I am too. Um, Jared, let's go into our score predictions and then jump over to, uh, my, honestly, my favorite segment of these podcasts is an Auburn fan perspective on the SEC. But before that, let's, let's talk about our score predictions. So preseason, I had us winning by three points and, uh, you'd predicted us to lose by three points. Are you going to stick with that? If not, what are you going to, uh, change to? Yeah, I'm going to stick with it, man. I, I would love, I, I'm not, you know. It is what it is. I mean, I listen, I'm an Auburn guy at heart, big a fan as you can be. But uh, if I'm being real, I do not feel comfortable about this game. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I think at the end of the day, we probably lose. I mean, I, I think my gut is also telling me that. And right now, I, I'm going to say probably Georgia wins. But literally five minutes before the game, I'm going to be like, Auburn's winning this thing. We're, we're beating them <laughs> by two touchdowns. Like We can. I mean, we're. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we're not, listen, I'm not saying we're not Georgia caliber. We absolutely are. I mean, if the last 10 years, we, we have equal or better success. Um, we have the star athletes that you need. This is strictly just a, they got our number right now. Mm-hmm. And until you prove somebody doesn't have your number, they got your number. Yep. No, and I, I hate to admit right. that. But yeah, that's where I'm at. I think you're right. And that's, that's maybe the frustrating part that we're trying to, if Gus can get that monkey off his back, and just beat Georgia in Athens. Uh, not saying that it's going to quiet everybody because it definitely won't, but I think it'll help um, this team's momentum. Obviously, you win against a number four team in your second game of the season. That's going to propel you so much through the rest of the season. Oh, if if Gus can just start going 50-50 against LSU and Georgia, they'll build a statue of him one day. I mean, that's all he needs. Uh-huh. Because it, it's going to happen a few years where he hits the right fifty on it, and we win a championship. So, yep. yeah, he's all he's got to do. All he's got to do, <laughs> like it's real easy. I mean, all he's got to do is beat five stars. Right. All he's got to do is start going fifty fifty Georgia and LSU. You can go thirty seventy against Alabama because they're just on a different level. Yeah, um, and he's actually even doing better than that. But all he's got to do is go fifty fifty. They'll build a statue of him. I think so too. All right, let's let's move on into our last segment. And uh, Jared, I hope you enjoy this as much as I I I have in the previous seasons, because this is just a fun time to look at other schools and usually make fun of them, um, especially in the <laughs> SEC, because some of them are just sometimes not doing things right, and it's hilarious. Um, so let's let's kind of go game by game and talk about the the various games um, and how the schools did. So. Florida versus Ole Miss. Florida ended up winning this one 51 to 35. The storyline is Kyle Trask for Heisman, six touchdowns, 416 yards, 
Okay, cool. Whatever. AJ, let's, what let's... do you think? AJ, you have a you have a Kyle Trask uh, fathead on your wall in your bedroom, right? <laughs> He's Aren't my you favorite. A huge fan of I his? mean, Kyle Trash, <laughs> Trash. Yeah. Um, no, I, I I I still. I don't know. I I know he's good, and I know he's got some hype. I I still just don't think he's. I think he's more of a game manager, and I think this quote from Kyle Trask after the game perfectly uh, personifies us. He said, "I think I did a good job managing the game plan." That's a game manager at best, and, and when I think of a game manager, I think of AJ McCarron, and so I'm gonna call him AJ Trask. I'm not calling him after myself, <laughs> but he's going to be called AJ Trash, I or it. I can just call him Trash if I want. <laughs> AJ Trash. <laughs> I mean, he does come across to me as like a Jake Fromm type quarterback, AJ McCarron. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, he's not going to wow you with his athleticism. He's very accurate. He's got some playmakers around him. He's got some tight end that looks like you know Jeremy Graham when he was destroying the NFL. So, and he did beat the Falcons today, but um, or sorry, he did beat the Falcons on Sunday, but um. Yeah, I, I'm with you, but uh, I just I'm giving you a hard time. I know you're not a huge fan of his. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. That that's just always interesting. Like, I, I want to see if he can actually do it. If if so, I'll take back that he's trash. But until that point, he's <laughs> Kyle Trash to me. Kyle Trash, I um, like it. The next one is uh, Georgia versus Arkansas. I think we've mentioned this in our preview a good bit. Um, but I mean, what did you think of this one and, and how? this game kind of played out where Georgia really didn't take over until really the third quarter. Yeah. I mean, I knew that, um, I felt like the whole time Georgia was going to win the ball game. I, I, I wonder that if they would have kept the, uh, starting quarterback in cause he was really struggling, but you know, it was seven to five at halftime felt like more like a baseball score, but I, you just had to assume, I mean, Arkansas was not moving the ball either. Yeah. Georgia's defense gave up that play early for a touchdown. If Arkansas could have somehow put another touchdown on the board early when Georgia was struggling, then they might have been able to keep the momentum and hold them off, but they couldn't move the ball. I mean, Felipe Franks was struggling mightily. So uh, it was not a pretty football game. Uh, I'm not knocking anybody, but it was not pretty. But uh, Georgia wound up, you know, covering, I think, on the spread by the end. Here's here's an interesting stat. So you had mentioned Felipe Franks, and I, I saw this, and I was just thinking, wow, this this shows you the chaos of Arkansas's program. There, they they put in Felipe Franks, and he was their number tenth, their tenth starter in the last twenty six games. Wow. So each starter essentially got two and a half games. Uh, that, That's tough, man. How do you build anything off of that? You yeah, can't. Tough. You just can't. Um, yeah, they're. Yeah, they're they're in a they're in a bad spot right now, for sure. Um, let's talk about the Mississippi State versus LSU game. Uh, Mississippi State ended up winning this one uh, at the end, even though I thought for a second LSU might be coming back. Um, Mississippi State won forty four to thirty four, um, and ended up upsetting number six LSU, um, the national champion of twenty nineteen. And uh, Mike Leach did it. This is uh, he's making a name for himself. In his first game, throwing tons and tons, 70-something passes or whatever he ended up passing. But 500 yards passing is nothing to frown upon. Um, what do you think he of this six, game? They had 600, AJ. They actually broke the uh, – he did something no SEC quarterback's ever done. He beat uh, – since we're talking Georgia, he beat Eric, he beat out Eric Zier. Eric Zier held 500 and, I don't know, 30-something yards was the previous record. This kid threw for over 600. 
Dang. I I, yeah. I think I stopped watching when uh I had to I was at the beach well, it, and I missed that that last couple hundred it yards. Did. It did. It kept wow. ticking up. It's like, all right, he's still for four hundred. Oh, five hundred. And yeah, I I agree. In the fourth quarter, like, oh, he's hit five hundred. By the end of the game, he had hit over six hundred. Wow. I mean, they had two. They had two receivers in the past three years. Mississippi State had two receivers in the past three years have a hundred yard receiving game. They had three in that game. <laughs> two of them had over one hundred fifty yards. That's insane. Wow. So, I, listen, it happened exactly what we thought could happen, and I know everybody was calling for the Kentucky Auburn thing, but we all said LSU is not last year's LSU, mm-hmm. and Mississippi State is bringing in a funky offense that you don't see every day. Yep. And it's and it and LSU better be careful. We said that. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it, that definitely proved to be true. And uh I mean, for for Mississippi State on their first game just be like, "Hey, we're going to beat LSU." I mean, that that's something that I feel like most new coaches just dream about doing something like that. And for Mike Leach <laughs> to do it and just be like, um, yeah, I think it was an above average day or whatever <laughs> he, he said. Above average day. He, the lady said, you, you probably having a great day. He said, yeah, it's above average. <laughs> he said that the only reason they played LSU is because the Patriots, Chiefs, and Packers were busy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how, how awesome is this guy? Like, I love having characters in the SEC and Mike Leach is definitely one of them. Um, but I mean, Jared, does this make you worried now yes. that we've seen the firepower of Mississippi State, knowing that we have to face them later in the season? Yes. Of course, I'm worried about anybody. But listen, the thing, two sides of this, okay? Number one, yes, uh, there's no doubt Mississippi State, you can't take them for granted. On the flip side of that, they literally had four yards of separation on these passes. So I have no idea what LSU was doing defensively. I know they are having to reload, but they reload with talent. They weren't anywhere near some of these touchdown lobs. Um, I don't know what that's about. So there's something else going on there. I'm not taking anything away from Mississippi State. They earned that game, but there's something going on defensively. Because I mean, that's like you're not going to see that. I mean, you're not going to see yeah. that from Georgia or Auburn or Alabama. Um, they were getting four yards of separation. It wasn't. They weren't even contested. And the thing, like I honestly, and I still probably, unless something changes my mind in the next few weeks, I still think LSU has a very good secondary. Um, so I don't know what it was, if it was coaching saying we need to give them space, they're quick, let's see what they do. I don't know. Like, Well, and to their, to their, you know, if you want to make excuses, they they did lose possibly the best defensive player in the country. I mean, Stingley mm-hmm. uh, had to go to the hospital, not, not COVID-related. He had to go to the hospital, so he was out. Yeah. So, you know, that may have shifted everybody around and maybe that threw everybody off because you've practiced all week doing a different position i don't know but something was going on and um you know the crazy thing is it should have been a bigger blowout i mean lsu they got some voodoo going on in that stadium they were just throwing their quarterback just threw a few up in the air (laughs) and into traffic and their guys went and caught it for touchdowns i mean they should not have been touchdowns so I look like less mile stuff man where they're just throwing it up they don't know what's going on in the game and they're coming down with it I but mean, um, it could have been a lot worse. It could still be happening. I mean, LSU's got some <laughs> weird stuff that always happens in their stadium. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the next one, Texas A&M versus Vandy. Uh, this one was a lot closer than I feel like anybody would have predicted. It was 17-12, to 12, Texas A&M squeaked that one out. And uh, I don't know how that happened. I didn't watch a minute of the game, but you look at the score and you're thinking, what the heck, Texas A&M? 
Are you in the SEC anymore? Like in football, you have just jumped off a cliff. If Vandy is putting or just keeping it that close, what the heck? Does Does Kellen Mond have to get back his uh, third preseason Heisman Trophy that he has on his uh, mantle? You know, everybody crowns him right. Heisman winner, right? Um, I don't know if he gets to keep that or not. I don't understand Texas A and M, and I don't understand Texas. I mean, they they literally have every advantage you could possibly give any college. Their money, they're probably in the best high school recruiting state in the country. Heck yeah. Um, the fan bases are amazing. Like there's you literally if you if you drew a perfect scenario, you would come up with A and M in Texas. Mm-hmm. And yet every year I feel like Texas struggles and A and M struggles. And, I don't get it, man. And you throw I, in a pre I mean, like I, I think Jimbo's a pretty good he's in the upper class of head coaches he may not be obviously the best but he's he's been a pretty he good a head championship. coach yeah I, yeah i mean i hate he won a championship because it was over us but yeah mm-hmm. i mean he he knows what he's doing i don't get it it blows my mind every year and i'm i'm happy because we don't need you know my goodness we don't need four teams in the sec west <laughs> competing for championships so luckily right. a&m usually loses four games a year yeah but it it is a it is an unsolved mystery yeah to me I mean, man, I, I agree. I mean, Texas of all of all places, and you're still struggling to beat a smart school Vandy team. I, I mean, seriously, I know we need to move on, but who would you say is in a better scenario in America than? And you could disagree with me. I want I want to know who is who has a better setup than Texas and Texas A and M. Um, I mean, I think you you probably go to Alabama just because they they do have the money and they have the legacy of winning championships but you you got to go to the talent pool and the talent pool that's I mean, the decider for me because alabama's nowhere near and i'm not knocking you but you're right from a yeah. national but alabama's they may be top 15 and in, in recruiting so you got to go out of the state all the time texas literally I mean, you go just down the hand, street. yeah you handpick a guy that plays at the high school an hour and a half away from you he's a five-star uh, auburn's got to drive 12 hours to go get that guy i I mean if you want to talk about it i mean it's i'm not trying to poor mouth auburn but auburn's in one of the worst scenarios they are not the state school they're up against alabama they have we finish in the top 10 most years in recruiting yeah yeah like it's a great job i think we underestimate what gus malzahn does um from the recruiting standpoint because he is up against a he has to go into other people's backyards where they already have highly established state Mm -hmm. schools and convince them to come play at auburn yeah I mean, it, so. that's the, it's always amazing to me to see the guys that, you know, even this last year thinking Chad Morris got that guy out of Texas and thinking, wow, he, he somehow pulled a string and got that guy that like, before we would have never gotten. And to think Texas, all they have to do is literally give him a text and be like, yo, bro, you want to play for Texas A&M? And he'd be like, yeah, let's do this. Yep. Um, it, it, it is a, it's a, you could argue Florida, but. When all the Florida schools are humming, the the competition is just too strong. I mean, Florida, Florida mm-hmm. State, Miami, but and now Central Florida. So that's why I would not put them yeah. in the exact perfect scenario. But you know, they're in a pretty good spot too. Yeah, Florida. I mean, you got a good point. Florida, the talent pool down there, but the competition, like you said, is um, can be kind of uh, it spreads. I don't know. It feels like it spreads out. That there's too much. Um, yeah, there's too many people grabbing. Bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk about a couple of last games, Alabama versus Missouri. I feel like we don't need to talk too much about this. They beat Missouri, uh, 38 to 19.
probably closer than Alabama would have liked. Missouri, I think, scored a last-second touchdown as time's expiring. Cool. Good for them. And yeah. uh, probably screws with some betting lines, which you know, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Somebody said Alabama fans probably lost money because they absolutely thought they would beat Missouri, cover that, and then they thought oh, Kentucky yeah. would beat Auburn. So they probably didn't have a good day. Yeah. No, probably not. Um, and then uh, Texas – or sorry, not Texas. We were just talking about Texas. Yeah. Tennessee versus South UT. Carolina. Yeah. Um, this was an interesting late night game, uh, where Tennessee and South Carolina were definitely duking it out, um, back and forth, back and forth. And, uh, at the end, Tennessee ended up pulling this one out. Um, I do feel bad for that, that guy on the South Carolina team that the ball just bounced off his leg when it was punted. But dude, you got to know where you're at and not allow that because that, that essentially like, all right. He gives the ball right back to Tennessee. Tennessee just kneels the ball five times or four times and game's over. Um, so, man, of all the games, that was one of the more exciting ones. It was pretty wild. There was not a lot of defense going on in that game, so um, made it pretty exciting. I did get to see a good bit of it. Uh, and then the last just honorable mention, I mean, I, I, I'm loving watching Miami and Rhett Lashley's offense down there. So continue to do well down there. Um, definitely be keeping an eye on him. Um, just being a former offensive coordinator for Auburn. Um, Jared, any other thoughts about the Georgia game? And are you ready to beat Georgia? Um, <laughs> uh, you know, if we beat Georgia, I will be equally excited as if we beat Alabama. Um, and it can happen. Listen, anybody out there listening, I think we are equal them. It's more of a mental thing is, mm. is all I can't get over. And I'll be nervous until that final whistle blows. Um, I won't believe it. So I'm, I'm hoping that uh, I'm hoping they prove me wrong. I mean, uh, I hope so too for your sake. I mean, and my sake too. Just living in Georgia now. I mean, I've talked about it plenty of times on the podcast, but it's. I feel like Georgia fans can definitely be worse than Alabama fans, and just because they can't necessarily back up their talk, and they just think they're all that, and they have no competition because it's, their their rival is Georgia Tech. Um, so, I mean. Georgia Tech is coming up, so maybe they, they uh, are more of a force in a struggle in the, in the coming years. But anyway, it's definitely tough living in Georgia with them kind of having our number the past you know ten years. So let's flip that script on Saturday, AJ. Let's do it, uh, Jared. Before we get out of here, uh, how can the people stay in touch with you? They can find me on Facebook and Instagram, just under my name, Jared Davis. And you can find me on Twitter at A-J-A-Y-J-A-Y underscore. It's always great to be an Auburn Tiger and War Eagle. War Eagle. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?